Hey, hey, and welcome back to the Building a Better Body podcast. So if you're new around these parts, my name is Karen McClintock and I am the host of the show. I'm a certified primal health coach. Now, that being said, I personally don't work with clients. I prefer to come on here and be the platform for others to share their real life stories on all elements of health, well-being and biohacking. You know what, we're all different, so if I can give you knowledge from many, many different resources, it's more likely that you're going to find something that resonates with you, and then you can go off and experiment a little yourself. Hey there you, and welcome to episode number 93 of the BBB podcast, and number 93 marks the last show of the season. Do you know what, it's been another great experience for me, and hopefully more so you, setting up all of these interviews. I have enjoyed talking to my guests so much, but it's now time for Karen to take a break for three weeks. But I'll be working in the background, you know I will, collecting guests for the future. I'm looking forward to coming back on the flip side with more people for you. Let me just tee up today's show for you then. I had a wonderful discussion with Maria Rafferty, otherwise known as the Hormone Health Coach. We talk periods, maya massage, microbiome, jet lag, food contaminants, quite the smorgasbord of information and I'm sure I've left some stuff out there as well. I want to just thank Maria again for taking the time to talk to me. I've been looking forward to talking to her for quite a while and she did not disappoint. From an accountant to the health coach that she is today, she is passionate about helping women realise that the body wants to heal itself and it just needs a little bit of help and support. So let's launch in. Today I am talking to the lovely Maria Rafferty who is also known as the Hormone Health Coach. I came across Maria on Instagram a good while back now. She is absolutely fabulous with her Instagram stories because she gives away snippets of amazing information on there and I'm sure it's helping people actually all over the world. That's the beauty of Instagram. I bet she gets a lot of direct messages actually so we'll talk to her about that. Maria discusses female fertility, hormones and menstrual cycles. Instagram, you know, it is a really amazing medium for Maria to reach as many people as she can and make a huge difference. So I'm super excited to talk to her today. So hello, Maria. Welcome to the show. Hello, Karen. Thank you so much for having me. You are very welcome. I'm, I am actually super excited to talk to you. I've got a good vibe about you already. No pressure. <laughs> no, don't be worrying about that. <laughs> so let's launch in then. Could you tell our listeners a little bit about your background and how you came to be the Hormone Health Coach? Yeah, I'd love to say I had this plan. I had this dream. Mm-hmm. But a lot of it has just happened by accident. I started off as an accountant years ago and I was, I went and had acupuncture. There was nothing really wrong with me, but I was always from, from I was about a teenager, I was always interested in health and what food could do and not do. Mm. Uh, that was in the 90s, before the internet. Mm. And so when I heard of somebody going for acupuncture, I was like, I want to go, go to that too. And I could not believe the difference it made to my sleep and my energy levels. Mm-hmm. Thankfully at the time there was nothing wrong with me so I wasn't expecting anything to be fixed. <laughs> so I just started to do the training part-time whilst I was working full-time. Mm-hmm. And the more I got into it, the harder for me to sit in the office um, because I knew there was this whole other world. But I was just going, this is a means to an end. It's paying me and I'm paying the course and I'll find a way. Mm-hmm. Then we had the financial crash around 2008 2009 Mm -hmm. 
there was a, a lot, I worked for an American company, there was a lot of redundancies worldwide and there was none in the factory here in Northern Ireland. So eventually what they had to do was they had to make, I think it was like 17, 18 voluntary redundancies and there was one to go in finance. So mm. I opted for it. Mm. I was itching for a change and I was like, they're going to pay me to leave. This is great. <laughs> awesome. So I, yeah, I took that. And then in the interim, when I was waiting on my final exams, I was working in Sure Stars because the, I got a good severance pay. And part of that was to um, give me some, they paid for me to do another training course to mm. up my skills, as, as it were. Mm. So I did pregnancy yoga and baby yoga and things like that. So I worked then in Sure Start, got to know a lot of pregnant women or women with babies and hormone stuff. And then I came across on the internet, the Maya massage. I just signed up for it immediately. And that was amazing. Did the training in that. And then I had to spend some time working in China and spend some time in Belize to, to complete those trainings. And then I came back and I started in Belfast with working with fertility and period problems using both of those mm -hmm. techniques. Wonderful. Thanks very much for sharing. I did not know you used to be an accountant. That is a world of differences. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I meant to be an accountant no mm -mm, you knew and then you got that opportunity just it, to leave was it exciting for you I'm sure do you know what I was um when they were announcing redundancies and then it didn't really affect me you know when they were saying the redundancies were coming up I was like everybody we were all sweating going to better not be us but then I think yeah. the, it didn't really um impact the factory we were in and I was so disappointed mm. and so then like I'm going to save up enough money that I would have got in a payout and just leave. Mm -hmm. But then when they did give me the opportunity to to go voluntary, it was probably one of the hardest decisions I've ever had to make, even though my, I really wanted to leave. It's, it was still very difficult to sign yourself up for that. But mm -hmm. these opportunities only come along once. Yeah. So. We, I often talk on here about, you know, it's, it's easy to just stay in the safe place, but, you know, eventually there's this just every morning you wake up and you go no I can't do this anymore there's something else calling me <laughs> you know what I mean no, absolutely and then I have to say that you know I did have a safety net so to speak I didn't have children dependent on me or anything like that I it was a little bit easier for me mm. to take risk I know that there are people in situations and it may not be as easy for them to take that risk because they have dependence yes exactly brilliant um, now, I know you talked about acupuncture there, but your speciality is the menstrual cycle. So uh, I'd like to dive into that, if that's okay. Yes, I'll just explain why why I focus so much on the menstrual cycle. Yeah. Because when I started off, people, and, and still to this day, actually, people are coming to me after their failed IVF or after they've had three or four miscarriages or they're really in the depths of infertility and whilst I'm doing my consultation we would ask when the first period was and what they were like mm. and I was beginning to hear the same old story on repeat there was a lot of trouble with periods in the teen years they were put on the pill or they were or some of the more severe problems they were put on the pill taken off the pill put on Lupron taken off that given the coil more surgery drugs and I'm like mm. something has to be done here so I am um, Chinese medicine is very much about longevity, longevity and prevention is better than cure. And their job is to stop people getting sick. And that's a huge influence on me. So I then decided I was like, OK, somebody has to do something here. So that's why I talk so much about the menstrual cycle. 
and want to raise awareness and want women and men to know that it's a positive thing in our lives, not a negative thing. Mm. And that as women, we are so lucky to have this sign every month. It's twice a month because there's ovulation and our period. Mm. We're this feedback that is reporting on our health. Yes. I love that you've, you know, taken it on board because you've seen that there is such a need. That's just amazing. So to break down some of the common problems then, so that's the major one, pain. And I know you've talked about this. You know, a lot of people believe, a lot of women believe that it's just normal. It's going to be painful for a while and I just have to suck it up and get on with it. (laughs) And I know you know that's not true. And actually coming from my experience and talking about what you were just mentioning there, I, when I was at school, I had awful awful pain to the point where I would throw up I'd have to go home and I was put on the pill and just thought that was what you did I didn't didn't question it didn't know to question it I guess I was too young to think there was anything different um and then and I remember the first pill they put me on what was it called microgynin is that what it's called and it made me crazy you know I was really really just and my hormones were out of control after taking that I get yeah that's the the pill does impact quite a lot of the systems within the body so yeah Mm -hmm do that yeah so pain so whenever you talk about the fact that it's not normal what do you tell people whenever they come to you with that sort of issue well I do explain that it's not normal and Mm. I met with shock and disbelief Mm -hmm. so ingrained in our society um and I just explain I was going if you had that much pain in your elbow or your knee or your head you would be taken much more seriously and it would be dealt with yeah but there just seems to be this oh, it's to do with periods, it's not really relevant or don't worry about it, that's just the way it is. Mm. Um, have you ever heard something called the nocebo effect? Nocebo? It's, no. it's a bit like placebo, mm-hmm. you know, placebo, mm-hmm. um, where it's all in the head. Yes. So basically the nocebo is if I tell you that something is going to be painful, then there's more chance that it will be painful. Yes. Mm-hmm. I Does that make sense? Absolutely, yeah. Mm-hmm. With a lot of things that would make sense. <laughs> yes. So basically, if I was to go into a primary school right now, say a P7 class, and I got a bunch of girls that have been educated about their periods, but they haven't had a period yet, and I asked them to tell me what they were like, I know it would all be very negative because Mm -hmm. they have been taught it's a curse, it's, it's an inconvenience, and you're just, it's part of being a woman, and it's tough, and you just have to put up with it. Mm -hmm. So there is this expectation that is going to be painful as well and we have to wonder does that somewhat contribute to it yeah um but then there are actual physical reasons as well in the case of and i can only explain it from a chinese medicine Mm -hmm. um i'm not sure how western medicine explains it but we would consider we would look closely at the pulse we would palpate the the lower abdomen and look at the tongue and some of the causes of period pain that we would consider would be for example cold in the womb mm-hmm. one of these is the cold feet and cold hands and the cold in the the inner aspect of the lower leg and i know that sounds really strange how can you have cold in the womb but mm. You feel your lower abdomen, you feel your low back or your bum cheeks and you will feel cold. Well, well, some people will. Yeah, I just have a feel um, here now. <laughs> yeah. What's happening is that when I mention that in stories, I get so many DMs going, oh, I just did that. That's right. Yes. But I, uh, so what's happening is cold blood is is heavier, it's congealed, it's harder to move, it's harder to flow. And we assume that the, the blood's just not moving. Mm hmm. 
um, as easily and freely as it should be. So then that would lead to something that we call blood stasis in the lower jaw, which is, as it says, blood stagnant blood. Mm-hmm. And again, that's not moving. Now, there will be other signs and symptoms we look for, you know, relevant to the, like, I will ask somebody, what relieves your period pain? And if they say a hot water bottle, mm-hmm. then I know that there's cold and the heat is helping to ease that. Um, if there's, if the blood is dark and clotty, then we know that there's blood stasis there. So it's just different things like that. Um, and of course, we would, when I come to my Maya training, it would be more to do with the positioning of the womb. Mm-hmm. If it's, if it's to the, uh, and at how much it's to the side and tilted back and tilted forward, uh, that would cause an obstruction. It prevents the free flow. Mm-hmm. If you imagine a free flowing river, and then a tree falls across it and the branch is left or the trunk is left lying across the river, it will impede the flow of the water. Mm, perfect. Perfect analogy. <laughs> I remember you talking about the, the body temperature a while back and it absolutely resonated with me. Um, and I went, because I am the girl with cold hands and feet, <laughs> and I went straight out and bought a, a foot spa and Epsom salts to put my feet in it. And it's been amazing. <laughs> It helps, doesn't it? Yeah, for sure. And then this morning, no word of a lie, I was putting on my socks and I thought of you because they came right up nice and high over the you know, the bottom of the ankles and things to keep myself warm. I'd, I'd be so proud. So <laughs> proud. <laughs> uh, it is. It's very basic stuff. There's days myself, I'm reading things and you're thinking, I, I need to do that, but I don't know where to start. Mm. Maybe you can't afford it. You don't have time. It's you know you see yogis and you think yeah yoga is really good but they're doing handstands and headstands Mm -hmm. (laughs) and then and then people don't do these things because they're like I can't do that I don't have time I can't afford it and then Mm -hmm. they end up doing nothing and that's why I did my daily tips Mm -hmm. back in January and early February was to let people know that you don't need a lot of money you don't need a lot of time and you don't it doesn't require a a lot of skill to just take over your health Mm -hmm. or to mind your health so the warm socks the soak in your feet in warm water with epsom salts those things really make a difference and they're not they're not yeah. very they are very costly you don't need to go and buy a foot spa you can just get a bucket <laughs> absolutely a basin or something yeah yes <laughs> so that's painful periods then what about late periods what are some of the possible reasons for that i'm sure there are massive amounts but just maybe a common set first one and this is the one i always forget would be pregnancy of course yeah <laughs> but it's easy to forget that okay so late um menstruation there's so many reasons mm-hmm. but what i would ask one of my patients to do would be to track their cycle so that they know when they're ovulating because we're just going to assume everybody has a perfect 28 day cycle. Mm-hmm. If the if somebody was to ovulate on day 14 and they had a very late period, then that would lead me down one direction. Whereas if mm. they were to ovulate on day 21 and had their period two weeks later, I would say, well, the luteal phase, which is the phase between ovulation and the bleeding, yes. is perfect. But your ovulation was actually late, mm. not not your period, mm-hmm. and that would lead me down a different route again. Yeah, so, it's all about I, getting to know the person, isn't it? That's why you have to spend time with them. The person getting to know their cycle as mm. well, and it's also then the flip side of that, which may not cause a late 
period, but somebody may ovulate on day six and then have their period 14 days later, which would be about day 22 and, or 24. Oh, I don't know. But <laughs> what, would, what would then happen is I'm like, no, you're ovulating too early and we have to look at the follicular phase and see what's going wrong there and correct that. Yeah, it's um, this is why I love doing podcasts, you know, just I mean, this may not be of interest to one person, but another person could listen to it and just it clicks and it resonates. And it's like I need to go and try and do that. And then that could change their world, if you know what I mean. It's I just love uh, getting different people on the show that will share their story. And, and as I say, it resonates with somebody who's listening. That's the idea. I love it. One more thing about yeah. the late periods, and it's really important, is that I perhaps someone's not ovulating at all, mm-hmm. and that would be that would be definitely if somebody's cycle is longer than thirty six days, it's definitely one of the first things that I would um consider is that perhaps ovulation isn't happening. Yes, okay, and then so so that's the pain, and that's the late, and then there's uh, amenorrhea, and that's the other common one that just a complete absence of periods. Yes, that's, that's a big red flag. And I think a lot of people, you know, that's happening to them and they don't, they're kind of like, oh, this is great. But it's a big health concern if you're just not ovulating at all or not having a period. Yeah, this brings me to why I started Instagram. Ah, brilliant. In the last few years, I just noticed I was seeing more and more women that had amenorrhea, secondary amenorrhea. Secondary amenorrhea means that you did have your periods and now you don't have periods where mm-hmm. primary amenorrhea means you just never got a period in the first place. Oh, wow. Okay. So I, um, they were all coming in and they were in their, and they're young, you know, late twenties, early thirties, and they hadn't had periods for months and months, mm-hmm. maybe longer. But the one thing they had in common was lifting weights and counting macros. And when yes. I say macros, I mean weighing their food. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so and that saddened me because obviously these ladies were investing time money and energy into their health and well-being mm-hmm. and it was just so detrimental to their health and well-being and I'm sure there are probably people out there in similar situations that still have their period but they may not be ovulating mm. but only when their period stops that they are aware that there's an issue so that's why um people should track their ovulation mm-hmm. as- yes i have an app for that <laughs> i track <laughs> okay well what kind of app is it oh, what's the name of it? Does it it doesn't matter you just have to be careful with the apps do they are they selling your data mm. or the other one the other thing you have to be careful of is if it is telling you when you're if it is predicting when you're going to be fertile or when you're going to have your period mm-hmm then they're not the best apps because they're based on an algorithm right? and it kind of prevents you or may prevent some people from really listening to their body. Right. I think it's called flow, but I'm not sure. And it, I only, it does tell me the, the phases that you're in lineal and all, all the, all the rest of those. Um, and it just, it seems to be, I don't, I don't think I even signed into it. So I don't think it's selling my dad. <laughs> Maybe I did sign into it. I must look at that again. I'm sure there's millions of yeah. them. They're probably getting your data from somewhere else anyway. So. Yeah, I know. Better not think about it. <laughs> but but I just do know that it's a concern for for some people. Um, yeah, it's best to. 
it's, it's best to every day just kind of notice if there's any discharges or what's going on or what's not going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a client now. I might share her story sometime on Instagram. She, I think she's, yeah, she's six months pregnant. Mm-hmm. She was using an app for contraception. So. Yeah. Uh, was it a good thing or a bad thing for her? <laughs> well, it was a shock, but I mean, it was a good thing. She was yeah. happy. Yeah. Yeah, but, uh, you just have to keep an eye. Can't rely on it, I guess. Yeah, the acupuncture shifted. She knew her cycle inside out, and then, uh, but but it wasn't her uh, her cycle wasn't correct. The timings were off. Mm-hmm. She was too late, and she had a few sessions of acupuncture, and that corrected it. But she didn't catch up with that. Or the app was behind, you know. So mm-hmm. yeah, that's it. Hey, just Karen here interrupting the show briefly. I'm here to share a discount code for 10% off with Red Light Rising. Red Light Therapy has been shown to improve mitochondria function, accelerated healing, rejuvenate your skin, enhance muscle recovery and induce deeper sleep. Now, I don't know about you, but that sounds pretty great to me. So if you want to head on over to redlightrising.co.uk and use Karen bbb at checkout you can grab your 10 percent off today now back to the show so talking of acupuncture you practice massage and chinese herbs as well as the, the acupuncture if someone was to come to you for a consultation what would what would the kind of the general outlook look like if they wanted to get involved with the chinese herbs and the acupuncture do they go hand in hand or are they totally separate <laughs> yes and i'm getting more and more into the herbs um herbal medicines it's it's difficult to learn but i'm that's why i'm spending a lot of time in chicago these days but yeah. uh, yes it is becoming more and more my practice and so basically what happens is people I now have um someone else that does the massage Uh, her name is Sophie Mm -hmm. she's been doing it now for 10 months she started last June and I I've worked with her for a long time and she is an amazing massage therapist so I asked her if she would do the training Mm-hmm. Did. so she now takes full responsibility for all the massage I still do the cons- I still do the consultations and the acupuncture and then let them go to Sophie for the massage um during consultations I'll take a bit of a medical history but I'll do the most important things I'll palpate their body I will look at their tongue take their pulse look underneath their tongue mm-hmm. because that will tell me so much more um I don't use western medicine techniques to treat people so there's not really a lot of point of me using western mm-hmm. medicine blood results i use chinese medicine which is about moving the chi the chi of course are, are the gases within the body and mm-hmm. um, moving the blood all those kind of things so yeah. but i'll take the western medical history anyways i really want you to look at my tongue now <laughs> so everybody says um you can learn a lot from your own tongue you'll see you'll see the irish tongues are all they're fat their teeth marked because we've so much damp in our system problems with our we're waterlogged. We've water metabolism problems. Um, we mm. live in a cold, damp country, which mm. doesn't. Obviously, our climate is so. Oh, it it doesn't get much airspace. But I have a funny feeling. I think is it Rich Rowe that's talking a lot about microbiome. Yes. I think heading in the direction of realizing that climate is impacting impacting our health. It, mm. It's not that it impacts our health in so much as as it's part of keeping the microbiome healthy. Yeah, that's fascinating. Definitely something that not a lot of people would think about. No, it's not. Because basically, if I'll do my best to explain this. Um, 
Um, on, on Western side, Chinese medicine, their food therapy and the herbal medicine is all about keeping the microbiome healthy. Now, I'm sure thousands of years ago they, they weren't aware of that. But, mm, but it was fine. Uh, yeah, science is now beginning to tell us that we are more microbiome than we are um, human cells. Yes. Uh, so basically we've got this, I like to think of it as a forest or a garden inside our body uh, with all the bacteria and we have to keep that healthy. We don't want it waterlogged. We want it nice, um, nice air flowing through it. We don't want it too hot. We don't want it too cold. We don't want it too dry or soggy. Mm -hmm. So here in this part of the world, it's cold and soggy for a lot of people. That's why you'll hear us talking about the cold and the heat and the damp and the phlegm and everything. So mm -hmm. basically... When it comes to eating food, I know I've skipped a bit there, but when it comes to eating food, the rule is that if it were growing your back garden, then it's probably going to be beneficial inside your body as well. Yeah, yeah. It's it's not it's about not overcomplicating it. You know, we do overcomplicate food, like say tracking macros and stuff. It's just did we really need to do that years ago? No, and we were healthier than we are now today. So <laughs> Yeah. But there's so much more than just food. It's the movement, yeah. the lack and um the lack of community mm. we're, we're, we're very detached from nature and very detached from what our body needs and mm. I, i've said before because i'm in utter shock that people are reading books about sleep and now saying oh i've just realized sleep is important oh, yeah it's like just as important as everything else your new, that's your <laughs> one of your pillars you know your nutrition your movement stress management and, and sleep right up there i love talking about sleep but, but <laughs> Now, maybe I'm biased because I am the queen of sleep and I will prioritize it over everything. I'm not a foodie, you know, I just, whatever, it's, mm -hmm. I'll only have to, I'm not that bothered by food, but sleep. Yes. I love sleep. I just find it so shocking that people are now, sleep's really important. And I'm going, how did you not know that? Especially people that have children. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's because people used to kind of wear it as a badge of honor. Oh, I only got three hours sleep last night. I'm I'm amazing. You know, look, I'm still up and doing things, but literally you're dying inside. <laughs> yeah, I, I often say that to people. Are you killing out of business? Or are you killing yourself, slowly killing yourself? Exactly. Talking of sleep, I saw your, and I think you know I'm going to say this. I saw your Instagram story about your getting over your jet lag that you didn't actually have in the first place. <laughs> oh, no, I didn't jet lag because I don't do well with not sleeping mm -hmm. I don't don't like not being able to sleep or not getting a good sleep and I don't take coffee my, my parents didn't give us as kids tea or coffee so I just don't really I've never got into them so I don't have that mm. I don't get me through the day to boost me my energy so I don't do you know what I mean like yes. I will get plane and I have inflatable footstools I have <laughs> earplugs i am airplane blankets bed socks yeah sleep yeah and then so what is in your tea then to curb the jet lag what did you drink the other night it's just uh are you not allowed to tell us <laughs> no no i can't tell you it's a it's just a chinese herbal fo formula that's used a lot on mm. pmt and periods yeah. i hope my brother did this podcast because mm. i give it to them when they travel but mm. <laughs> and, but basically what it's doing, there's a mix. I think there's eight different herbs in it. Um, and it is, we would use it for, we would say that PMT, um, that, you know, that moodiness, the frustration, the yeah. the, the up and down that would come from the liver cheese stagnation, basically. So this herbal remedy is for moving the liver cheese. And... But it also just happens to regulate, it regulates the hypothalamus. So, mm -hmm. and the the one that I get comes from Tibet. It's a, it's raw. It's a very high standard and it has been designed so that you can sip on it 
all day. Mm. So I take a tea bag in a little thermos um, flask and about maybe two hours before the flight is due to land, I'll ask an air hostess to fill it up with hot water mm-hmm. and then I let it, you have to let it brew for 20 minutes and then I will sip on it. Then when I get to my hotel, I will fill it up with hot water again, the same tea bag, and then I will sip on that. Mm-hmm. And I have no problem staying awake. Brilliant. Yeah, and then I'll sleep all night yeah. and then next day and I'll repeat that process and then I'm back in the in the time zone more or less yeah I might be an hour or two out but sure I'm good I mean I mean to fly from Chicago all through the night and to get back to my house at lunchtime and to be able to stay awake until 11 o'clock that night that was that's good going yeah because to come back at lunchtime is a really horrible time isn't it you want to just kind of go to bed but you have to see through the day <laughs> yeah so one of my mentors had mentioned that it was oh by the way do you know that tea you're all drinking it's really good for jet lag and I thought oh, I'm going to try that but yeah. it was really really strange yeah it's a wee bit strange not having jet lag yeah so. if you didn't have it do you think that it would be a different world oh god yes I would still like we wouldn't be doing this podcast <laughs> He's all getting over you. <laughs> well, without sleep, yeah. and I would, I would have been thinking, no, I'm going to be too tired. I won't be able to think straight. I won't. Yeah. I'll be. I might not have slept the night before because it's only a few days later, and it can take a, a, a good week to get yourself back into the proper sleep and wake. Like. So there's yeah. something um, that I've been meaning to try, but haven't been on a long haul. Uh, is to now this is this is probably not your vibe because you're you don't you said you're not worried about food, but to not eat at all on the flight, totally fast, right? And then yeah. have your first meal in the correct time zone whenever you arrive, and that's supposed to be a really good way. I mean, I have no problem fasting. I kind of or uh, have a diet that would allow me to do that. I know I know not everybody would be able to do that, but it's something I really want to experiment with. And as I say, just have the first meal of that time zone whenever you get there, and that's supposed to be very good. I don't know if you, if you have any thoughts on that. I've heard of that. And the other thing too would be to to make sure you're outside yeah. when you arrive time zone for the for the daylight, and um, preferably without lenses. Mm-hmm. Or, or, but um, the yes, that I have heard of people doing that as well, and if that works, mm-hmm. great. Because when I think the last time I took a long haul fight, you know, I wasn't really into my health and fitness. This was a long time ago. And I remember, you know, you eat so much on the plane because they're just bringing stuff to you. And then I remember no. we arrived at lunchtime and I had another meal and then had a dinner. And it's like, how many meals have I had today? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? That's just not doing your digestion any good. No, well, well, you've hit on something really important. The The Chinese medicine advice would be to try not to eat that first meal on the plane because where's it going to go? Mm. You're, you're literally going to sit on your bum for eight hours mm-hmm. you know and and people wonder when they get off planes why they're so bloated yeah oh yeah that's a contributing factor because because yeah it is very hard to digest your food oh, yeah plus airplane food <laughs> i know i know there is that too but i still uh, the child of me just loves the little tray and all the I little know. Pouch I know. in the but no, I would definitely on the night flights. I'm like, no, I'm not eating. It's far too late. So yeah. I don't. I'm really, look, as I say, I'm really looking forward to experimenting with that sometimes. So I need to book a little holiday, visit my brother in Australia and see how that goes. Oh, absolutely. I can send you some tea. Yes, please do. I can send the tea for je- in small amounts for jet lag, but I can't give it in large amounts for, for period issues or PMT yeah. because, you know, somebody could have PMT, but the cause is a different reason and the tea mm-hmm. then headache or that so but if somebody's taking it for two days 
Yeah. Awesome. I love that. Thank you. Um, so Maria, finally, I don't want to take up too much of your time. If you could give our listeners one final thought today, one Maria nugget that they can incorporate into their lives in order to build that better body, what would that be? Not really a health tip nugget. Yeah. That's okay. It doesn't matter. Right. Because I think everybody can go and look at my um, little videos Yeah. and loads of those. But I think there's a lot of controversy out there about what diet is best. Mm -hmm. vegan paleo plant-based carnivore (laughs) yeah i've talked about them all (laughs) yeah counting macros whichever and it it causes conflict between people and arguments and the bottom line is none of us really know (laughs) so i think that instead of arguing over which diet is best for the human race we should bring our collective energies together and start talking about the contaminants in our food whether you're vegan or carnivore there's contaminants in your food and they are wreaking havoc on our bodies yeah that's perfect yeah it's and i think it's something that we don't always think about pesticides hormones well just if you if you if you were to think Uh, about it yeah um all sorts of crazy ingredients were and it's not too bad here but in america it's it's much worse mm, genetically modified everything there's just, there's just all sorts just cheaper ingredients so mm-hmm. i just would like to see people putting their energy there and asking themselves why is this food or this way of eating being being so pushed on us yeah. are there government subsidies involved mm-hmm. are they trying to get their money back is this uh is it a big industry is that why we're being told to eat a certain food mm-hmm. that's a very good point it yeah well <laughs> i could i could tell you a lot of things yeah. um but well i will say okay one of the big obvious ones is the salmon yes i mean you mm-hmm. can't go anywhere without being told salmon is a really important food to eat mm. if you go to market if you go to where the fish are the, the, it's predominantly salmon mm-hmm. and we know the 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 government are pumping a lot of subsidies into salmon farming. Yes. And we know that they're having difficulties controlling the sea lice and they're upping and upping and upping the amount of pesticides that they're using. Mm-hmm. But so they're, but they're not telling us that. So I just think there's a big government investment into these fish farms. And then there's a big marketing advertising campaign that, that eating salmon's really good for you. Yeah, and if you if you put a piece of wild salmon beside a piece of farmed salmon, there's a world of difference in what they look like. <laughs> Absolutely, it's very it's very difficult to find um, wild salmon. I mean, I mean, it's very like my mom is from Mayo. They lived right at the sea. A my granda was a fisherman, and my uncle now has the the license, and it's not worth their while going out. They're lucky if they get a handful of fish each year, salmon, yeah. Yeah. and the salmon are some of them are a little bit let's just say some of the salmon have escaped from the <laughs> farms and yeah. you're now seeing the results of that in in the salmon the wild salmon that's been caught yeah yeah do you eat salmon <laughs> yourself no no because if of I, that. If I went to I, I don't want to support the industry either yeah. if I went to somebody's house and they had prepared salmon for me then I'm going to eat it yeah with with gratitude because someone has prepared it for me but it's it's definitely not something i would buy mm. um i just don't particularly want to support that 
industry. Yeah. Other things that cons- we should consider when we're being asked to eat a lot of a certain food or a certain way is we should, this is all about industrial um, farming, is which is it cheaper to produce? Is it cheaper to ship across mm. the world? And does it result in a longer shelf life? Mm-hmm. Perfect questions, yeah. Because all of those things will result in increased profits. Mm-hmm. And the more profit a food type brings, then the more you would want someone to eat it and buy it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is definitely something to think about. Wow, it's got deep. <laughs> well, it's just, it's, it's, it's you know, yeah. I'm just wondering all the questions, a lot of things. No, you're quite right, and it's it's gonna put. Yeah, I hopefully it'll help people think. So, where where it comes to me for the best way of eating, I don't care what diet people eat. I just want them to eat food, and as free as contaminants as possible. Yeah, and what Um, makes them, as I always say, what makes them feel well as an individual? Do you wake up in the morning full of energy, or after your dinner are you bloated like crazy, but still think, oh, well, this is just normal, and keep on doing it? You know, that's not the answer. smoothies and it's turning their but they've seen it somewhere that it's good and i'm like no that's not nurturing you yes so it's far too cold for your digestive system yes i've seen you talk about that before Mm -hmm. and then blending up that amount of spinach and kale is actually not really good for your thyroid and all sorts no and that's some of the things i say i'm like put it on a put it on a plate and sit down and eat it you just couldn't or what you could do is make a soup from it. And instinctively, people, if I sat a smoothie, a cold smoothie down in front of somebody or a nice warm soup, they're going to go for the soup. Yeah, especially in this country. <laughs> oh, yeah. And you will find um, that you do feel better after a bowl of soup. Yeah. And that's enough. That, there, we're coming back to the climate thing again. You know, if we lived in Vegas or California, then maybe smoothies aren't all that bad. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Again, a much warmer climate than us yeah no that's pretty i had myself a cup of bone broth yesterday i don't know if you saw it on my instagram stories <laughs> i think i might have seen that it was really nice yeah i i do make broth every now and again and i just warmed a bit up and, and put a bit of salt in it and it was great <laughs> oh yeah it is it's just so so nurturing yeah because it's been cold it's been really cold last couple of days so you have to look after yourself and no you really do and Soup is the ideal food because it is soup, soup and broth, broth probably more, yeah. um, because it it's liquid, so it helps the digestive system. It's warm and it carries the nutrients and it's light. Mm-hmm. And if you look to a lot of the Asian countries, they do have a lot of broths in their diet. Yeah, that would be right. Yeah, that, that's, I can visualize that with their fish head soup. <laughs> yeah, traditionally <laughs> in Ireland. Um, they would have boiled things over the fire. Yeah. So had that broth as well. Yeah, love it. So Maria, well, thank you very much for sharing all of your knowledge, but where is the best place for people to connect with you on the web, apart from Instagram, or maybe it is Instagram just. If for now, Instagram is the place to connect yeah. with um, what's I, your What's your handle? Uh, the Hormone Health Coach. And I do reply to all, but sometimes when you get a lot, you can they get pushed down. And then you, you end up missing them. Uh, just in case anybody has messaged me and not heard back, <laughs> I apologize. And the other thing is, if they're in that folder where they're waiting to come into your main folder, I mean, if you open up one of those and somebody rings you or sends you a text message, that's it. It's gone. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, so bear with you. <laughs> message me again. Yeah. There. Well, thank you very much, Maria. That was, that was awesome. I really enjoyed talking to you. Okay. Thank you, Karen. You're welcome. 
The information on this podcast is for educational purposes only. It is in no way a substitute for medical advice. If you have any specific concerns, please consult with your general practitioner before embarking on anything new.